book one section eight of the world as will and idea volume one by arthur schopenhauer translated by r b haldane and j kemp this librivox recording is in the public domain recording by expatriate in bangor maine book one the world as idea section eight as from the direct light of the sun to the borrowed light of the moon we pass from the immediate idea of perception which stands by itself and is its own warrant to reflection to the abstract discursive concepts of the reason which obtain their whole content from knowledge of perception and in relation to it as long as we continue simply to perceive all is clear firm and certain there are neither questions nor doubts nor errors we desire to go no further can go no further we find rest in perceiving and satisfaction in the present perception suffices for itself and therefore what springs purely from it and remains true to it for example a genuine work of art can never be false nor can it be discredited through the lapse of time for it does not present an opinion but the thing itself but with abstract knowledge with reason doubt and error appear in the theoretical care and sorrow in the practical in the idea of perception illusion may at moments take the place of the real but in the sphere of abstract thought error may reign for a thousand years impose its yoke upon whole nations extend to the noblest impulses of humanity and by the help of its slaves and its dupes may chain and fetter those whom it cannot deceive it is the enemy against which the wisest men of all times have waged unequal war and only what they have won from it has become the possession of mankind therefore it is well to draw attention to it at once as we already tread the ground to which its province belongs it has often been said that we ought to follow truth even although no utility can be seen in it because it may have indirect utility which may appear when it is least expected and i would add to this that we ought to be just as anxious to discover and to root out all error even when no harm is anticipated from it because its mischief may be very indirect and may suddenly appear when we do not expect it for all error has poison at its heart if it is mind if it is knowledge that makes man the lord of creation there can be no such thing as harmless error still less venerable and holy error and for the consolation of those who in any way and at any time may have devoted strength and life to the noble and hard battle against error i cannot refrain from adding that so long as truth is absent error will have free play as owls and bats in the night but sooner would we expect to see the owls and the bats drive back the sun in the eastern heavens than that any truth which has once been known and distinctly and fully expressed can ever again be so utterly vanquished and overcome that the old error shall once more reign undisturbed over its wide kingdom this is the power of truth its conquest is slow and laborious but if once the victory be gained it can never be wrested back again besides the ideas we have as yet considered which according to their construction could be referred to time space and matter if we consider them with reference to the object or to pure sensibility and understanding that is knowledge of causality if we consider them with reference to the subject another faculty of knowledge has appeared in man alone of all earthly creatures 
an entirely new consciousness which with very appropriate and significant exactness is called reflection for it is in fact derived from the knowledge of perception and is a reflected appearance of it but it has assumed a nature fundamentally different the forms of perception do not affect it and even the principle of sufficient reason which reigns over all objects has an entirely different aspect with regard to it it is just this new more highly endowed consciousness this abstract reflex of all that belongs to perception in that conception of the reason which has nothing to do with perception that gives to man that thoughtfulness which distinguishes his consciousness so entirely from that of the lower animals and through which his whole behaviour upon earth is so different from that of his irrational fellow-creatures he far surpasses them in power and also in suffering they live in the present alone he lives also in the future and the past they satisfy the needs of the moment he provides by the most ingenious preparations for the future yea for days that he shall never see they are entirely dependent on the impression of the moment on the effect of the perceptible motive he is determined by abstract conceptions independent of the present therefore he follows predetermined plans he acts from maxims without reference to his surroundings or the accidental impression of the moment thus for example he can make with composure deliberate preparations for his own death he can dissemble past finding out and can carry his secret with him to the grave lastly he has an actual choice between several motives for only in the abstract can such motives present together in consciousness afford the knowledge with regard to themselves that the one excludes the other and can thus measure themselves against each other with reference to their power over the will the motive that overcomes and that it decides the question at issue is the deliberate determinant of the will and is a sure indication of its character the brute on the other hand is determined by the present impression only the fear of present compulsion can constrain its desires until at last this fear has become custom and as such continues to determine it this is called training the brute feels and perceives man in addition to this thinks and knows both will the brute expresses its feelings and dispositions by gestures and sounds man communicates his thought to others or if he wishes he conceals it by means of speech speech is the first production and also the necessary organ of his reason therefore in greek and latin speech and reason are expressed by the same word ologos il discorso vernunft is derived from vernehmen which is not a synonym for the verb to hear but signifies the consciousness of the meaning of thoughts communicated in words it is by the help of language alone that reason accomplishes its most important achievements the united action of several individuals the planned cooperation of many thousands civilization the state also science the storing up of experience the uniting of common properties in one concept the communication of truth the spread of error thoughts and poems dogmas and superstitions the brute first knows death when it dies but man draws consciously nearer to it every hour that he lives and thus makes life at times a questionable good even to him who has not recognized this character of constant annihilation in the whole of life principally on this account man has philosophies and religions 
though it is uncertain whether the qualities we admire most in his conduct voluntary rectitude and nobility of feeling were ever the fruit of either of them as results which certainly belong only to them and as productions of reason in the sphere we may refer to the marvellous and monstrous opinions of philosophers of various schools and the extraordinary and sometimes cruel customs of the priests of different religions it is the universal opinion of all times and of all nations that these manifold and far-reaching achievements spring from a common principle from that peculiar intellectual power which belongs distinctively to man and which has been called reason o logos to logistikon to logimon ratio besides this no one finds any difficulty in recognizing the manifestations of this faculty and in saying what is rational and what is irrational where reason appears as distinguished from the other faculties and qualities of man or lastly in pointing out what on account of the want of reason we must never expect even from the most sensible brute the philosophers of all ages may be said to be on the whole at one about this general knowledge of reason and they have also given prominence to several very important manifestations of it such as the control of the emotions and passions the capacity for drawing conclusions and formulating general principles even such as are true prior to all experience and so forth still all their explanations of the peculiar nature of reason are wavering not clearly defined discursive without unity and concentration now laying stress on one manifestation now on another and therefore often at variance with each other besides this many start from the opposition between reason and revelation a distinction which is unknown to philosophy and which only increases confusion it is very remarkable that up till now no philosopher has referred these manifold expressions of reason to one simple function which would be recognized in them all from which they would all be explained and which would therefore constitute the real inner nature of reason it is true that the excellent locke in the essay on the human understanding very rightly refers to general concepts as the characteristic which distinguishes man from the brutes and leibniz quotes this with full approval but when locke comes to the special explanation of reason he entirely loses sight of this simple primary characteristic and he also falls into a wavering undetermined incomplete account of mangled and derivative manifestations of it leibniz also in the corresponding part of his work behaves in a similar manner only with more confusion and indistinctness in the appendix i have fully considered how kant confused and falsified the conception of the nature of reason but whoever will take the trouble to go through in this reference the mass of philosophical writing which has appeared since kant will find out that just as the faults of princes must be expiated by whole nations the errors of great minds extend their influence over whole generations and even over centuries they grow and propagate themselves and finally degenerate into monstrosities all this arises from the fact that as berkeley says few men think yet all will have opinions the understanding has only one function immediate knowledge of the relation of cause and effect yet the perception of the real world and all common sense sagacity and inventiveness however multifarious their applications may be 
are quite clearly seen to be nothing more than manifestations of that one function so also the reason has one function and from it all the manifestations of reason we have mentioned which distinguish the life of man from that of the brutes may easily be explained the application or the non-application of this function is all that is meant by what men have everywhere and always called rational and irrational end of book one section eight recording by expatriate in bangor maine